Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Good morning, afternoon, or night, and welcome to Collider Dailies. I'm John Algets, and joining me this time is... Maggie Lovitz. <laughs> How are you doing this morning, Maggie? I am doing wonderful. I am so excited for today's episode. Well, I mean, I would expect you to be super excited, because today we are talking to Tim Downey, Gale of Waterdeep himself. Uh, he's joining us to talk about, obviously, Baldur's Gate, but we are going to touch upon the craft of acting, as well as a few small things here and there about uh, some other stuff that he's done. So, you know, sit back, relax, enjoy this extra long interview. I think we got him for about 40 minutes, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit after that. So stick around. Hey, so how are you doing today? Very well. Very good. It's very drizzly, a little stormy uh, over here, but all is well. Apart from that, we're good. How are you guys? Very good. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, not bad. It's raining here as well, so very similar. <laughs> There you go, you see. It's all happening. Yes. <laughs> so you have a pretty large role in a game that some people might have heard of. Uh, you know, maybe if they were, you know, paying attention or if they're in that circle, they might have heard of Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, mm. Kind of kind of a big deal. Uh, definitely super popular with a lot of folks. And uh, I just, I just want to know, being a part of something that has exploded and has become such a big deal for so many people what is how is that for you like what has the experience been like um it's it's just extraordinary like i don't think any of us had any idea it would be it would become what it's become we assumed it would be big we assumed it was not big but just popular and you know well received and things like that but you never expect the the the, the level the scale to which it has been received and taken to people's hearts and uh, just kind of enjoyed and poured over. Like people have spent hundreds and hundreds of hours playing this, which is just mind boggling. You know, my background is film and TV, you know, unless it's some 
epic where it's like three hours in a cinema you know that's kind of that's kind of tops that's kind of it or like a lord of the rings kind of you know evening that's kind of it so for someone to come up to you and say oh i've spent 500 hours with gail you go wow that's i can't i can't even begin can't even begin to comprehend that it's uh it's an extraordinary extraordinary thing to be a part of and you know to continue to be a part of as it kind of unravels itself I am one of those people who has spent 500 hours with Gail. Um, I am really curious to know, like going back before any of us really knew about Baldur's Gate 3, what was the audition process like for getting into Baldur's Gate? Um, well, it was it was really simple. It was like a wet Tuesday in October. You know, it was a real just sort of your agent rings you up and says, oh, there's a casting for this video game. We don't know much about it. We don't know what it's called. We don't really know what it's about. But you want to see the briefing? Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that sounds fun. Haven't done a game before. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll be up for that. And then they send the briefing through. Then they film it a very specific way. So it's not just like um, uh, a TV casting or a film casting where you just set your camera up and then do it. They want you to stand a certain way, which will be, in, as I now know, which is in the base position for when they animate, for when you're doing the mocap. So you kind of have to stand kind of like oh right so i do i do this okay and now i deliver the line okay this is all a bit all a bit strange i've never really done this before um and then we had a slight a small character breakdown apparently um my the thing to recognize was uh henry carvel from the tudors so okay i can i can do that i can do that um and yeah and then literally i sent it off i did it two or three times i kind of played around with it I kind of you know you just kind of make very you know, stuff that interests you. You make decisions that interest you. You think, well, I like, I would like something like this. And you, because I have no idea if it was a good or a right thing, you just think, okay, I'm going to throw it into the ether and just see what happens. You know, I think this will be fun, like like the way I'm doing it. They may have other ideas. Who knows? As is the great eternal mystery of self-tapes and throwing them into the ether. You have no idea who's watching them or what they want. So, yeah. And so I just did it. And then they rang up and they said, oh, you know that, you know that game? Yeah. Oh, you got, you got the part. You're the part. You're a, you're a wizard. Like, oh, that's fun. That'll be fun. Uh, any, any other details? No, that's just, that's about it. Okay. Wizard. Great. And then off you go. And that was four years ago. So quite a lot has, quite a lot has changed. Pandemic for one thing in the, in the middle of it as well. So. <laughs> And with with working in a game like this that is so like there there's there's a basic story that follows, but it branches in so many different possibilities, so many different ways that it's it's largely a nonlinear experience. How has that how does that affect your process for uh creating and kind of crafting the character of Gale as opposed to some of your like television or film roles? Um well in the beginning, because in the beginning you literally start at the beginning. Then it it gave us a chance or it gave me a chance to sort of just play around with with bits and pieces, kind of think, okay, well, it might be a bit like this, might be a bit like that. Okay, that's quite interesting. Having not having any idea what a a wizard in a game does, I think it kind of gave me maybe an edge of a freedom to kind of think, okay, well, I'll I'll just do this as if it is an acting exercise. I will make it as real as I possibly can because I don't know any other way. I'll just try and do it that way and see if that sticks see if that's a good thing and yes there's certain technicalities you have to remember and and know and that's the craft of mocap and game acting which i was like oh okay yep noted 
Yep, that's an interesting gotcha. Okay, I'll do that. Um, but yes, and then, it, yeah, so then it was those very, very early days. You begin to kind of craft and feel and get a sense of the writing and kind of think, okay, maybe I could do this, maybe I could do that. But then when it starts, when you really get into it and it starts to kind of splinter off, that becomes a, that, that's a whole other beast. Because, I mean, you do find your head just exploding by saying, right, you're going to do some sort of romantic scene now. And now there's, um, uh, oh, it's, oh, it's horrible. It's a bloodbath. There's bits of bodies everywhere. Uh, you know most of them. So we're going to do that bit now. And you think, I don't, how do I get from, how do I get my head from that to that? That's quite bizarre. Um, so that was, that was quite a learning curve. I don't know if you ever get used to that. But that was definitely something. But then I retreated to sort of like being a five-year-old in a wood with a stick as a sword and sort of, you know, your, your friends are hiding in their own, you know, you retreat into your own head to picture these things. Cause you are just in a blank room with a suit of dots and lights. And sometimes you hear the line, sometimes you don't hear the line. So you have to find it somewhere within you to pick out, how do I play this? How do I, okay, you're in this, you know, there's a big monster in front of you with tentacles and it's trying to attack this thing. And you're battle weary and you're from this and this is happening and all around is like destruction, destruction and go. And the only way I could really do that is think, right, well, as a kid, I would do that. So I have to retreat back and find, because I believed it. You know, when you're five, you believe it. You completely believe it. It's as simple as that. You're on the Death Star. Yes, I completely believe I'm on the Death Star, even though I'm in my living room or a bath. Yes, I'm on the Death Star. So you have to, yeah, find that, which was great fun. You know, it gave you that enormous sense of a sense of play. And then it gave you an you know opportunity to sort of throw some curveballs in to say how you would say a line or how you would approach something. You think, well, no, I'd probably do it like that. Just see if you like it. Great. <laughs> you know. I'm curious for you as an actor, what was your like prep for Gail like? Like I know in my own experience, I'm somebody who likes making playlists, creating journals as the character that I'm playing. But how did you kind of keep Gail fresh and new every time you played him and, you know, created him across those four years? I, I would, I would just try to, well, a broad stroke is I would try to approach everything as if it were, as if it were real and not supernatural or bigger than anything else like that. So hopefully I would try and get the minutiae right of how he would react in small circumstance and or greet someone in a certain way. What's the backstory between this person? And if you didn't know the backstory, you go, okay, well, I, I feel it probably be a bit like this. And that's quite fun to play with. So it's finding the fun within it. Basically it's approaching it because it was so long, like you would in real life. Like I could walk up to you. I don't know you, but we then have a, a sort of game where we work out, okay, this is where we are and this is where we are. And I thought, well, if I kind of, in, in, if I kind of integrate those kind of stylistics into this, it's going to keep it fresh and interesting and create different ways of saying lines um, other than the usual way of saying, you know, a greeting or a goodbye or a reaction to something that's horrendous. You know, those kinds of things just keep it interesting. And because I come from a comedy background, I firmly, firmly believe that not everything is melodramatic. You can't, you cannot live your life 24 hours a day, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, constantly being in a state of anxiety and stress, you will just explode. So you have to find the light moments in things, in, in everything. And in terrible moments, that's what we do as people. We will find lightness 
in the dark. And that's what gives us hope for. And I think within this, there are so many moments of darkness, but hopefully there's a great deal of hope. You kind of hope for something better and that's what takes you on. Um, so yeah, we try, I, I, basically it's like acting exercises that just try to, you kind of layer them, discard them, bring in new ones, play around with them. And just try and keep it on its toes as much as possible because it is a marathon. It's not, it ain't no sprint uh, doing, doing something like this. Now I know that it was, you know, obviously you were working on this for quite a while, so it might be a little bit hard for you to pick out one particular moment or day, but was there, was there a particular scene or a particular day while you were working that stands out to you as something where you were like either particularly proud of what you were doing, or maybe it was just like a moment that you had a lot of fun uh, with your performance, anything like sticking out in your mind? Yeah. I mean, there, there are both, there are moments, there are moments when uh, Gail uh, becomes a hologram or a version of himself. And I had, I just loved doing that because it was, I could kind of be quite subversive about how I react to people. And I had a whole thing. There was a lot of things of saying, you know, uh, the Tav is your friend, the player is your friend. And I was thinking, okay, well, for this moment, I dislike you. You're an idiot. I don't care who you are or what you think you've done. You are an idiot and you are, you are, you're not worth my time. So I thought that's quite fun to then, having traveled all this way, the Gail has re pre-recorded this thing where he just assumes you're an idiot and not quite up to the match. And then you will then sort of like, hello, I'm Gail of Waterdeep. It's that sort of, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well, that's fascinating. Anyway, if we could just, it's, and I just found that just brilliant. And the fact that they kind of gave me that reign and enjoyed it and kind of thought, okay, this is, this is going to add to it rather than this is just ridiculous. Please stop doing that. Um, was just a joy. So whenever those bits came up, it was like, oh, fabulous. Let's let's do that. That sounds amazing. Um, and there were some very difficult days dramatically as well. There was like, um, you know, a death of a child and things like that within the game. And that was unbearably difficult, like so difficult. Like how do you, where do you go to get into that? That kind of mindset was very, very difficult. So they really stick out as well. So yeah, both the yin and the yang of... Um, of the experience and there's yeah there's a host of other things where you just think some of my favorite moments were the incidental moments were the bits that probably you will never ever ever see in your life unless you play this for like four years are almost like the bits where you're waiting where like gail is just waiting and then you'll have a line like hurry up or something like that and you'll and you'll think well the chances of anybody here ever ever seeing this are very remote so i enjoyed playing around with waiting bits <laughs> I think one of your pieces of dialogue that has probably become like the most popular is the stop licking the damn thing yes. uh, with the yeah. spider. Uh, were there different line readings for that? Or was it always just that like, I cannot believe I am traveling with somebody who is licking spider goo right now. I, that was the first, that was the first take was that take that they, that they oh, used. Wow. And perfect, I, so. because I went for it. Cause I just thought to myself, well, if you're traveling with someone, Again, it goes back to those kind of trying to play it for a reality. If you're playing with someone, you're slightly, they've annoyed you anyway. They've probably done stuff that is just going to wind you up. Like, I'm a wizard, right? Whatever you are, I'm, I'm slightly better than, I, I've got more, I know more things, I can speak more languages. So I'll, I'll, I'll take you on here. So if someone starts licking a spider, 
You think, what your your whole exasperation, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, you would really kind of rather than say rather than just say, stop licking the dance, you would go, Stop licking the dance. What's wrong with you? And I just thought, well, I'll do it. I'll do it like that was my first instinct was to do it like that, rather than sort of softer and more sort of measured and more weighty of a, of a wizard. No, I think he would just be really, but I like those little, those little peaks, which make them human rather than just being, I'm magical. I'm in like a, 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 you know, an entity, a completely different being. This is something that hopefully you go, yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I know someone that would do that. And I know I would react like that. And I think that's what hopefully draws you into, into a character and, and, makes you want to then travel with that person hopefully yes <laughs> so when the game first uh, got its full release it came out of early access and everybody was able to play it and everyone was having a good time with it people noted that gail seemed to be particularly easy to romance almost to i the was point ill of... john i was <laughs> ill i was ill all right yes. that's, almost to the that's point the of people line. accidentally romancing him uh but it kind of makes me curious of the actual romance moments how how were how was that experience doing the romance scenes with you know a character who can't who doesn't speak back it's well that would that would be that would be interesting in and of itself and then if you then put into you the equation that you're on your own and you're doing these that throws in a whole whole other thing with just like a wall a wall of people adults looking at you saying i'm really sorry we're gonna have to do this now and you're like okay all right okay let's let's do this and i didn't really know there was this kind of romance aspect to the game i didn't unless some probably somebody said it and i went yeah i'm sure that's fine and just didn't really pay attention. And then suddenly, you know, you're in, you're in a boat in the weave and all of that kind of, and you go, oh, right, okay, this is quite something. And that particular scene, we had to do four times for some unknown reason. I don't know if it's a dialogue change. I don't know if it was just, could you do it better, Tim? Or a whole host of other things. I do not know, but, but yeah, that was quite, it was quite something. But again, you go in, you go into your head and you find those, those moments, those teenage moments, you find all those little those little bits and try and give them the reality, give them the awkwardness, give them the those difficult, beautiful moments where you're trying to say something, but you can't, but you want to. And they, you know, you, you, you just you bring them all up again, which is kind of in some respects a very pleasurable experience. In other respects, I don't want to go there again. I've done that. <laughs> no need to go there again. Something you brought up earlier, you talked about your um, background in comedy and how you brought a lot of that into Gale. Um, I've noticed that a lot of the different um, actors behind the characters have brought little things that are like uniquely them. Would you say it's the comedy aspect that is uniquely Tim that you brought to Gale or were there other little aspects, little nuances that you brought that were very like unique to you? Um, it's, it's, you know, it's very difficult to say apart from, apart from the comedy, which I do think is something that I I think they then, after a while, the, the writers must have seen, oh, okay, he's, he's he's going like this, and therefore they upped it, and therefore the, you know they begin to write for you and your your rhythm, how you say a line, how you approach a character, how you and all those aspects. But that's you know that's fabulous writing, that's working as a team, that's exactly what you want. Um, but I think it is definitely the comedy. There are other aspects of the whole thing where you go, wow, that's 
terrifying. Like the first time I ever saw it animated where you go, oh, okay, this will be quite good. And in my head, because I'm not a gamer, in my head, it was like watching like Paperboy, you know, still very pixelated kind of like, hello, kind of characters, rather than you watch it and go, oh my God, that you got my eye thing. Or, he, or he'll go up mm, and it will appear and you go, oh my God, that's, that's unbelievable. So it was actually more than the comedy aspect. It was the little ticks and nuances you do with, with a hand or, or that, which I found amazing, just what it picks up and then what it, yeah, that was extraordinary. But I, yeah, I think the comedy was, was the thing. I also realised there's, there's a lot of similarities between me and girl anyway, just by absolute chance just fluke of the whole thing but um yeah i think being a slightly humorous wizard is quite it's quite fun yes i was gonna say like did you do your audition in front of your bookshelves because your books are so very gale which yes. is like yeah. so funny no i did it uh because it was the only place we could get um reception i did it in my daughter's bedroom upstairs <laughs> which is like by a wardrobe with dolls in front of it. I mean, it was like the least Gale thing you've ever seen in your life. And probably like a pile of clothes behind me that needed to do laundry. You know, it was very sort of, all right, I'll try and, I'll try and, but there's only so much, there's only, because they want it wide. You then go, well, you're going to have to see the room. Unlike other things where you go, okay, well, we can frame this. As soon as they say, as we all know, can we get a full body shot? You think, no, you can't. Because if you do, you're going to see, you're going to see absolutely everything. And I'm not, yeah. I don't know if I'm prepared for that. You know, exactly. You know, exactly that. Well, how do I do this? Do I pan out? What do I do? Um, so yeah, so that didn't even, didn't even feature. And I didn't really kind of make the connections uh, to, to Gail really. It was only, to be honest with you, it's only quite recently that I thought, Oh, actually, actually I am quite similar to Gail. That's quite, that's quite interesting. I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, you're right. I do have a lot of, I do have a lot of books. But. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. So you you mentioned uh, Larian's writers and them kind of like shifting a little bit what they were doing because of what you were doing. And I know when we spoke to uh, Neil Newbon, he specifically talked about working with them on some stuff for Astarian. But uh, what sort of experience did you have working with their writers? And was it uh, a, a collaborative relationship with you two or, you know, was it more them kind of giving you pages and you making tweaks or what was it like? Uh, there were, there were no, well, from my point of view anyway, there were no, there were no tweaks. It was kind of everything, everything there is as written. So there was no impro. There was, there was nothing, nothing like that. Um, and it, it wasn't as collaborative as Neil's. Like I didn't have a conversation with the writers. It was just, I, I assume probably quite a simpatico thing that, you know, once someone kind of gets a tone and a rhythm of what you're doing, then they write for that, um, which was which was great, which was great. I actually only met my uh, my writer the other day, who came up and introduced herself to me. I was like, oh my, oh my god, well, well, thank, thank you. 
fanboying myself. Oh wow, you're amazing. Thank you. So that was a uh, yeah, that was a lot. I didn't I didn't even know I could have a conversation. I'm so I'm so used to sort of like as an actor, you're given pages. Can I change this? No. Okay, that's that's fine. We'll keep the we'll keep the um in. That's fine. I was going to move it. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, that you just kind of take it and you think, okay, this is you know the character, especially in the beginning. You know the character. I don't. And then as it kind of drifts on, you can make broader things again. Gail Gail wouldn't say it like that. He may say the line, but he wouldn't say it like that. He would probably say it like this, and that's probably the only thing. The input into the how it would be done from my point of view, and then that collaboration. So, I mean, the writing was brilliant. So you just think, okay, well, I'll just put the character on top and it will just find its way through. Like, there's no need really to change anything. Or, you know, it was good. I know at the top of the episode, we talked a little bit about like just how big Baldur's Gate 3 has been with fans. Uh, and you recently joined TikTok and you're, you're seeing the full breadth of the good, the bad, the really extreme, the like really passionate reactions from fans. But for you, like what has it been like to just see the reaction, like the fan reaction, the passion behind playing this game and like their love for Gale? Because there is a very large swath of people who very much love Gale. There is. And it absolutely takes me by surprise it really really does I, I suppose it's also that there's a thing obviously when you make a, a tv program or a film you go you go somewhere you work with other actors but it's finished it's done it's kind of complete and then you can forget about it for about three or three or four months and then suddenly it'll come up and go oh there it is on tv or there it is there and gaming is very different because there's a lot more of a of a relationship between gamers and makers and designers so during that whole early access thing, they were learning things and we were learning things and, and suddenly things begin to kind of shift and move. So it's a very organic piece of art, which this was all completely new to me. So then if you take that idea and then you put it into where we are now, it's quite like, wow, okay. But it's immersive. It's not like passive. It's not like watching a film where you'll sit and you'll watch De Niro for two or three hours and go, God, that's, a, that's extraordinary. You know, that's amazing or whoever, or any actor. This is, you spend time with the character. You can drift off. That character can tell you stories, can let you into little parts of their life that if you're passively watching something, you don't have. So the relationship with the people that have played this game is is very different, but I'm learning it as well because it's like, oh, wow, okay. That's really touched you. I didn't I didn't know that. That's amazing that you've got X, Y, Z from it. And, you know, it, it, and it's a constantly evolving process people get different things from gale they get you know the kind of things that are kind of upfront, but they get nuance and subtleties and they get all kinds of little bits and pieces some bits you go i didn't realize i did that and other bits you go i'm really pleased you got that that's great i'm that's that's a, that's really nice that 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 came across so one thing that I'm a little bit curious about to sort of build upon that is that obviously there's there's a lot of people out there who really, really love Gale. And then there's also people out there who are uh, annoyed at the whole enchanted item eating aspect of his character. They should just uh, grow up and get over it. Uh, exactly. That's it. Exactly. That's it. Next, next question, John. Next well, question. Right there. You know what? You did. You did actually fully, fully get what I was going to ask. So. <laughs> Gosh. It's funny. No, it's funny. I found that whole thing about him eating shoes just hilarious, just very funny. I just think, you know, there's there's so many things in this in this kind of business 
the worst thing that I think any actor could ever hear is, oh, it was all right. No, it was okay. It's it quite nice. You go, what? You didn't, I didn't provoke any reaction at all. That was, a, that was as beige as it could possibly be. So if it provokes, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm literally, I threw my TV and a child out of a window because it was so bad. That's a reaction. You go, okay, that's good. I've done something there. As well as it being, oh, thank you so much. It means, means everything, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, I just find, find it very funny. I would never have picked out that, you know, a lust for shoes would have created such, such upset. But you live and you learn. Like, what yeah. I, I guess mean, I got to ask, like, how do you like your shoes to be prepared when you eat them? <laughs> like, is, do you want them sautéed, maybe broiled? In my mind, it's always like a Charlie Chaplin sketch. You know, like that knife, that little napkin, cutting it like that, trying to fold it around, you know, like a Buster Keaton kind of things, you know, like spaghetti with shoelaces, that kind of thing. That would thrill me. That would thrill me. I loved how quickly the fandom took on that. What was it? Girl dinner meme. And it was Gail dinner. Uh, and it's just like a beautiful buffet of uh, of shoes. <laughs> the reactions. <laughs> Too much. Um, but, you know, something Something I'm curious, you know, we've talked quite a bit about, like, the lore, the little aspects of, of Baldur's Gate. But how familiar with Dungeons & Dragons were you when you got into this? And if you weren't, like, what kind of research did you do just so that you had that, like, background understanding of the world that your character was in? I, growing up, there was, there was the cartoon of Dungeons & Dragons that was on in the UK. So I used, so as a, like a six, seven year old, it was on like every lunchtime you get home from school and it would be on and you would just kind of watch it. And um, that was really interesting. And you'd go, oh, okay, this is quite fun. Quite like the fantasy of things. I've always been kind of into that thing, horror, fantasy, very lightly, not kind of full on. And then in the UK, there was a whole kind of like satanic panic. And during that satanic panic, Dungeons and Dragons was... So instantly I was like, what's Dungeons and Dragons? Because it seems, it seems like I'm not allowed it, but maybe I should look at it more. I don't know. That kind of, that kind of thing. So that brought it up. So, but then that kind of drifts and then kind of dies away. And then obviously Stranger Things brought it all back to kind of go, oh, Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, that's interesting. And then this arrives. Now, I mean, I didn't know what the game was for two years. No one told me what it was. So I had no idea it was Dungeons and Dragons. I may have heard in a break room, oh, this was kind of based on Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, okay. And that was kind of about it. But I think, to be honest, not knowing was really refreshing because it's it's a monster. It's so big. It's so layered and so detailed that I almost think you would just get a migraine just trying to kind of fit yourself into that. So actually kind of not knowing and kind of presenting well, actually, this is a wizard. I think this is a wizard. It's, it's like that thing of going, you know, that doesn't define you. It's not like, it's not, it's not what defines me being a wizard. I, I am a human and I'm also a wizard. And I thought that was quite an interesting take to have on it rather than being all kind of powerful Gandalf. You're just kind of an everyday guy. But you just happen to be a wizard. And that's, that's it. And I thought that was just a nice... A nice kind of place. That's a good place. He has every problem, you know, has problems as everybody else does. Just happens to be a wizard. So obviously this being set in like a fantasy setting like Dungeons and Dragons, there's a lot of 
peculiar names that things have or odd words that need to be pronounced. How, uh, how was having to deal with so many like weird names and odd words that aren't normal, uh, for most people to have to say on a daily basis? That was, yeah, that absolutely had its moments. And obviously being a wizard, you're then saying things in Latin, which then kind of brings up a whole, whole other thing. I think I did a load of recordings of Latin spells and but then it, there's a there's a difference because they, they didn't uh, do you do it with a slightly Italian accent no because that sounds wrong but then if you don't put certain inflections on certain things like as a Brit you're taught if you're taught Latin you're taught that you do it in an English accent anyway and you just kind of you hit certain letters harder than others well obviously that's how Brits do it, but it's not necessarily how someone from Waterdeep, who's a wizard, would do it. So that, yeah, it really threw up a lot of problems. They would say, we're going to have a spell day. And you go, oh, really? Okay, right. And really have to concentrate. Because you also have to do the motions with whatever spell. You know, when it's fireball, it's easy. Fireball, fine. We'll do a hand motion. Lovely. Anything else gets a little bit more, a little bit more complicated. But then, yeah, you just want to go, please just say it's the necromancy of Faye. Great. I know that one. We can move on. The Myconids are attacking. Great. Move on. We can do these. It's, yeah, I think I've blocked out most, most of the others. Uh, this is a question that might get too much into, like, how the pudding is made. But I'm curious, like, we keep getting hot fixes. We keep getting new patches that sometimes add dialogue into it. So is this all stuff that was all, like, already recorded over the four years? Or are you all still being, like, brought in to, like, fix audio, fix dialogue, do little new things? Or is this just all stuff that was already recorded? I think a lot of this is stuff that's already recorded. I think if they came up against something that was like, ah, we, this is this is pretty bad. We need to really do it. Then, yeah, we will come back in and re-record. As it, has, as it happens, we haven't done that yet. So I'm assuming this is all stuff they had. And then they're going to, yeah, fit it, fit it all in. I don't know how that works at all. I just, again, that's a whole new thing. It's a whole new thing where you think, oh, I just thought, that's it. You know, like you watch a Ray Harryhausen where the dinosaur kind of scratches its nose and then carries on. You think, oh, I just thought that was it then. Not that you'd go back and make it that the dinosaur doesn't scratch its nose. Yeah, that kind of thing. So I guess like the the big hypothetical question uh, here would be if in some future uh, they were doing a Baldur's Gate 4, if they asked you to come back as Gale, would that be something that you would be interested in possibly doing more of? Goes without saying. Absolutely. I'll start tomorrow. What are you offering? That <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course. It's been enormous fun enormous fun to do and something completely different to what you would usually usually do and on a scale that I wasn't prepared for and on a scale that you it just been, it's been a really extraordinary journey and also as an acting kind of exercise it's been extraordinary because it's very like much like mask work in how to tell a story where they don't necessarily see your face because your face will be animated however the animator wants it to go or be so that was a very interesting process and it was yeah it was been an enormous amount of fun as well you know you get to kind of conquer worlds and get to you know fly off nautiloids and do all kinds of ridiculous brilliant fun things so 
Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely. I mean, if it carries on as the whole series has gone, this will be in about 25 years. So <laughs> I'll still do it. Don't get me wrong. You can wheel me in and prop me up. I've seen, I've seen what technology can do. So uh, I'm very happy with that. I feel proud. like in that case, Gail will have a lot of extra dialogue about creaky knees, uh, like when oh. he fails his uh, stealth checks. <laughs> I would demand it. Absolutely <laughs> demand it. You've got to make that yeah, front front and center. I do kind of want to see old man Gail. Like, I think that Honestly. would be, of all the main cast, I think that Gail would probably be the most fun to visit as like an old weird Elminster wizard. type. Yeah. yeah. I like to think of him like sitting on a porch shouting at youth. Just being just annoyed at youth, it, their vigor and that kind of thing. I'm a magician, that kind of thing. I'm a wizard. No, no, you take that back. I know your father, that kind of thing. I'd love that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, I know we've talked a little bit about, like, the branching, um, you know, storytelling style. So there's a lot of different paths people can take with Gale. And specifically with him, you have these kind of three definitive paths of he either kills himself at one of two points in the game, or if they just decide to blow him up at some point. Um, then you have the, like, happy ending where, like, he doesn't go after the crown. And then you have Godhood, which also is not a great ending. But for you as an actor, like, getting to play a character that has three different paths completely, mm. it, was it, like, really cathartic to get to play out, like, three completely different storylines for the character? Because that's not something you get in movies or TV unless you're playing some sort of, like, time traveler that has multiple endings to his fate. Um, yeah. But for you, like, what was that like? Oh, it was, it was, it was great. I mean, there's certainly endings where you think, Oh yeah, if I was if I was doing this, I'd do that. Even if it's completely and utterly non-beneficial to you whatsoever, you go, yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely doing that. That looks like fun. Um, and then there's also the ending you think, no, I'm pleased for him, he gets that ending. I think that's a really good ending for him. He'd be happy with that. Having traveled so far, I think yeah, that would be the best ending. That would be the ending I would choose. This will just be entertaining to see what happens. You know, it's all of those scenarios but it's again it's all kind of part and parcel of you get to a crossroads like a robert frost poem you know you kind of get to that crossroads and you think wouldn't it be interesting if i do if i went this way this might happen if i went that way that might happen if i went this and that's really nice to then play out all those all those scenarios but then we've been doing that throughout the entire game is how the branches of dialogue i mean i have absolutely no idea how anyone writes these things like i genuinely I could barely keep a shopping list in my head, let alone a dialogue tree that stretches out and then interlocks with other characters. It's like mind-boggling. It's like coral. It's like trying to kind of unravel coral. It, you would just be, it would just infuriate. I don't understand it, that, how their minds were that did that. I mean, it's, it, that's black magic. It's as simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> so something that I'm curious about, and I'm I'm always curious when speaking to actors uh, sort of their own history and how they got into acting and why they decided to pursue acting, uh, how old they were, things of that nature. What is what is sort of your story for getting into this line of work? Can't do anything else, John. Can't <laughs> can't do anything else. Useless at pretty much everything. This was all that was left. Uh, no, I mean I think it's just I just have a, a I love telling stories and I think there's nothing finer in this world when someone says oh my God, let me tell you a story. Or, oh my God, you'll never guess what happened. Here it is. And if they can do it well, if they can really tell that story well, that's one of the greatest joys 
I think, in life because it's so inclusive. It's so, you know, you can't interject in a song. If you interject in a song, that person's annoyed. Like, no, this is my song, man. I wrote my song. You listen to my song. And it, again, it's quite passive. But again, with a story, you could be telling a story and someone could come on and go, how big was it? Ah, well, it was like this. And it was like this. And you can embellish and it changes. And it's very, very organic. And just the art of being able to hold an audience and tell them and fill them with wonder and magic and something that's other, the other world, the thing behind the veil, I find infinitely fascinating. It's why I'm still doing it. It's why you still go on. It's because the stories keep changing. The stories ebb and flow and they drift around and they are ephemeral and they are solid and they are all sorts of things. So that's why I love it. I think the reason I wanted to get into it is, is it, it's pretty much that. It's pretty much that. And I just thought, I don't really, I, I cannot... And I've done it. I've done so many other real life jobs. And I just thought, I cannot, I cannot do it. I can't do it. It would just destroy me. It would just eat me up if I didn't do something creative. Even if nobody listens, it kind of doesn't matter. It's just the process of doing something that is creative. It's one of the things in COVID is even though nothing was happening, you just, you suddenly felt this kind of like, like emptiness, like you were being like filled with darkness or something but you were being hollowed out at the same time so you have to kind of push that into something and so are you, at one point you just go okay I'm just gonna have to see how this works and and also like a pathological desire to just ignore the absolute obvious so many people tell you please stop doing this now you don't have any money you have nowhere to live you know all the classic actor tropes but there's still that part of you that either is going to become you know a cult leader or a serial killer that just keeps you <laughs> just keeps you going just keeps you going no 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 I'm just gonna no no I'm, I'm sure I'm right I'm sure I'm right it's just around it's just around that corner and I'm just gonna keep going I'm just gonna keep going and uh yeah I think those two when those two storm fronts meet then um yeah then it's pretty there is only one outcome really well there's a lot of out- other outcomes but you hope that the outcome is you know you pursue uh, an artistic career in ways. I was so glad the strike ended this week so that we could actually ask you about, uh, like, I, for many reasons, I'm happy, not, oh. not just because of the interview, but oh. it's so exciting to be able to talk about things again. You got to mm. be in Good Omens this year. What was that like? That show is just, like, incredible. It, amazing. Amazing. I am a massive Neil Gaiman fan. I've for years. Love, love, love. There's a certain sort of English-Britishness to his writing, which I just adore. Terry Pratchett is, the, is very, very similar. That idea of you're facing the worst thing you could be facing, but, you know, there's a there's a traffic warden that's about to give your car a ticket. It's that level of Britishness. We go, no, you just wait there while I sort this out. Who the hell do you think? You, you know, it's a love, love, love all that. So being able to work on something like Good Omens was was a dream and with an extraordinary cast as well. Just kind of look around and go, wow, I've really got to, really got to up my game here because this is quite a... This is, this is, these are great people. These are people that I grew up with. These are people that I've admired for years as well. You know, they're all, everyone is there. Everyone is in the room and you're there as well. And you go, okay, right. I better, better make sure I'm, I'm all right today. But yeah, that was great fun. Incredible fun. So, yeah. 
So we are actually coming up on our time. So this is where we're going to have to uh, leave it. So I guess the last thing that I have to ask you, Tim, is where can people find you on the Internet? And do you have anything that you've got going on that you want to plug, you want to throw out there? Uh, well, I'm on, I'm on TikTok. Why? I've no idea. But there I am uh, discussing, you know, books and stuff and all kinds of things. But, yes, TikTok. I'm on Instagram. Twitter. Still calling it Twitter. Twitter. Uh, as well, uh, I do a, a podcast as well called Folklands, um, which you can delve into. We've got some couple more episodes coming up quite soon. One at the end of this month. There's one out already. Um, and then a, a few more before the end of the year. But yes, Folklands podcast. Download it. Like all those things. <laughs> well, thank Excellent. you so much for speaking to thank us. Thank you so much. This was it's great. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Man, talking to him was so much fun. Maggie, how did you feel about that interview? How did it go to you? I thought it was awesome. I'm so excited for all of the Gale girlies to get to watch it as well. Uh, it was just really good to hear him talk about the character, you know, the the process and all of the fun acting stuff that led him to this. As a as a Gale girly yourself, do yes. you feel like you got that do you feel satisfied oh yeah with his answers and hearing about all that behind the scenes stuff yes yes and you know once again uh 500 hours of playing uh Baldur's Gate 3 and it has been a real pleasure to talk to both neil and tim about the game um over these last few weeks so it's been fun to bring that to dailies you know i thought that i've played the game a lot <laughs> but i'm not anywhere near 500 hours i'm i'm like at the like 100 and 60 i think you know i have to admit it's multiple different gameplays it's not just like one gameplay and i'm taking my sweet time with it it's like 10 different gameplays so very different options <laughs> either way uh so yes that was our show today i hope that you enjoyed it uh tomorrow will be a, a different pair of hosts i assume we don't know the schedule as of the recording of this so we don't know who's up but someone's gonna be up so you can tune in tomorrow at 10 a.m. as usual, 10 a.m. Pacific as usual, and check out another episode of Collider Dailies. But until then, see you around. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.